with my own eyes, as I said just now, the rags left lying in the street of a poor man who had died of the plague. Two pigs came along, and, as their habit is, turned the clothes over with their snouts, and then munched at them, with the result that they both fell dead almost at once on the rags, as if they had been poisoned. From these and similar or greater occurrences, such fear and fanciful notions took possession of the living, that almost all of them adopted the same cruel policy, which was entirely to avoid the sick and everything belonging to them. By so doing, each one thought he would secure his own safety. Some thought that moderate living and the avoidance of all superfluity would preserve them from the epidemic. They formed small communities, living entirely separate from everybody else. They shut themselves up in houses where there were no sick, eating the finest food and drinking the best wine very temperately, avoiding all excess, allowing no news or discussion of death and sickness, and passing the time in music and such-like pleasures. Others thought just the opposite. They thought the sure cure for the plague was to drink and be merry, to go about singing and amusing themselves, satisfying every appetite they could, laughing and jesting at what happened. They put their words into practice, spent day and night going from tavern to tavern, drinking immoderately, or went into other people's houses, doing only those things which pleased them. This they could easily do because everyone felt doomed and had abandoned his property so that most houses became common property, and any stranger who went in made use of them, as if he had owned them. And with all this bestial behaviour, they avoided the sick as much as possible. In this suffering and misery of our city, the authority of human and divine laws almost disappeared. For, like other men, the ministers and the executors of the laws were all dead, or sick, or shut up with their families so that no duties were carried out. Every man was therefore able to do as he pleased. Many others adopted a course of life midway between the two just described. They did not restrict their victuals so much as the former, nor allow themselves to be drunken and dissolute like the latter, but satisfied their appetites moderately. They did not shut themselves up, but went about carrying flowers or scented herbs or perfumes in their hands, in the belief that it was an excellent thing to comfort the brain with such odours, for the whole air was infected with the smell of dead bodies, of sick persons and medicines. Others again held a still more cruel opinion, which they thought would keep them safe. They said that the only medicine against the plague-stricken was to go right away from them. Men and women convinced of this and caring about nothing but themselves abandoned their own city their own houses, their dwellings, their relatives, their property, and went abroad, or at least to the country round Florence, as if God's wrath in punishing men's wickedness with this plague would not follow them, but strike only those who remained within the walls of the city, or as if they thought nobody in the city would remain alive, and that its last hour had come. Not everyone who adopted any of these various opinions died, nor did all escape. Some, when they were still healthy, had set the example of avoiding the sick, and falling ill themselves, died untended. One citizen avoided another. Hardly any neighbour troubled about others. 
Relatives never or hardly ever visited each other. Moreover, such terror was struck into the hearts of men and women by this calamity, that brother abandoned brother, and the uncle his nephew, and the sister her brother, and very often the wife her husband. What is even worse and nearly incredible is that fathers and mothers refused to see and tend their children, as if they had not been theirs. Thus a multitude of sick men and women were left without any care, except from the charity of friends, but these were few, or the greed of servants, though not many of these could be had even for high wages. Moreover, most of them were coarse-minded men and women, who did little more than bring the sick what they asked for, or watch over them when they were dying. And very often these servants lost their lives and their earnings. Since the sick were thus abandoned by neighbours, relatives and friends, while servants were scarce, a habit sprang up which had never been heard of.